Hello and welcome to the Journey Further podcast, a show where we learn from the people and businesses who are on a mission to do things differently. Today's guest is the 24-year-old co-founder and CEO of Influencer.com, Ben Jeffries. Influencer.com are an influencer marketing agency who've worked with some of the world's biggest brands, including McDonald's, Starbucks, and Pretty Little Thing. This episode is a great insight to how these guys work, the influencer marketing industry right now, what's to come in the future, and much more. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe to the podcast to keep up to date. Enjoy the show. Ben, thank you so much for finding the time to do this. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. I'd just like to kick off uh, with the question that we start all of our discussions with, and that is, what's the wrong you want to write? Being in such a fast-growing industry, there's quite a lot of you know new companies coming in, there's quite a lot of um, new advertisers spending on it, so there's a lot going on, and a lot of companies are just simply doing influencer marketing wrong, and that's often through things like you know influencer fraud, lack of regulation, um, and perhaps just using creators who aren't the right fit for the brand, and it becomes really difficult to pick the right creators, um, especially when you are working at scale. So one of our visions at Influencer is to build meaningful relationships between creators and brands. Um, and we really do that through being basically underpinned by our technology. So we're really trying to make things right um, through both a data aspect, um, but also through creativity. So we say internally that we are championing a new era of creativity with influencer marketing. And we believe, um, you know, through having the right strategy, um, you can really build some impactful campaigns. Um, we also try and solve things like, you know, um, ad regulation. Um, we launched a completely free tool called advertaudit.com. Yeah, I saw that. Um, which basically allows people just to check whether their posts are compliant or not. I think there's quite a lot of confusion over what is actually compliant and what's not. Um, so that was basically just built to do that. Influence of fraud, you know, our technology can check whether um, creators have fraudulent followers, whether they're part of like comment pods, all of these interesting things. So we're really trying to, you know, steer the influencer industry um, and educate the rest of the industry as well um, to go in the same direction um, as, you know, other players within the advertising industry are doing. I guess really just trying to demystify something which is still very new and, and young. Completely, I think that's the most important thing, right, is demystifying it when it is a very young industry. You know, we're trying to do our best um, and trying, as I said, to educate. Um, but I, th I think it's important that, you know, there are multiple players doing that as well, which is great. Um, you know, I've joined um, a body called the Business of Influencers where, you know, there's people from our competitors um, who are on that. And it's about working collaboratively um, for the future of the influencer marketing industry. And you guys are about six years old now? Yeah, so five, six years old, well, that's from really when I officially sort of set it up in my bedroom um, <laughs> while at university, um, so all those years ago. Um, but I'd say probably started to scale up in the last sort of two, three years, okay. and that's when things really started to go into motion. But no, it, you know, it came back about five, you know, six years ago when I set up in, I said, university bedroom. Because one of the things I was wondering was what what is the what's the sort of biggest change which you've seen throughout from obviously from your bedroom to now? What do you think's been the most sort of monumental shift in in the influence marketing industry? I think the most I guess monumental thing has been I guess how different the sales pitch evolutions become. Um, so right at the start, you were having to sort of educate people on the actual industry. So you're gonna to have to actually explain to them, you know, what's a YouTuber, what's a creator, and even sometimes what's Instagram. Yeah. Um, now it's a case, you know, you're going and people are very clued up on it. And it's straight away talking about, you know, the various strategies, the various types of data you can get. So that's a massive um, 
thing, you know, which has happened over the last few years. Um, on top of that, though, there's so many new platforms coming in and so many different types of content pieces on these platforms. I mean, you know, going back a few years ago, Instagram was solely, you know, photos. Now they have stories, videos, yeah. IGTV. They're about to launch reels. Um, they've got multiple different, you know, pieces of content forms and, you know, other social networks as well, like Bytes, which is Vine 2.0 has just launched. Um, TikTok's obviously done incredibly well. So it's really, you know, just keeping up to date. Yeah. And I guess you talk about the sort of level of understanding then. When you're meeting with CMOs or marketing directors, what kind of challenges are they coming to you with around influencer marketing? Um, and I guess like how receptive are they to it as a, as a medium? Maybe much more receptive now than they once were. Um, and yeah, I guess what level of understanding do you kind of see in those teams and with those with those people? Yeah, so the two main things often tend to be, number one, there's so much out there on what influencer marketing actually is, but what's actually correct. So it's helping them cut through the noise, essentially. Um, so that's one of the main things. But in terms of, I guess, influencer marketing in itself, it's actually, well, you know, how can we, I guess, track the return of investments? I think ROI is a really big part of that. Um, and that kind of stems to the amount of data. Um, so that's one thing which we really invest heavily in. Influencers, we just recently brought on board the ex-head of data science from Kantar um, to basically help um, with some data insights pieces um, on tracking um, influencer content um, after the campaign, but also understanding um, influencers' personalities, brands' personalities, and helping build that more meaningful relationship between the two. Um, I, th I think as the influencer marketing industry grows up as well, we're seeing we're working with more third-party integrations and more third um, parties as such, um, such as, you know, working on Nielsen studies as part of influencer campaigns, done Humby, um, another sort of brand uplift, um, which is really, really exciting. I guess the more data you can offer to your clients or your prospective clients, the more justification they can, they can make for investing more heavily in the channel, right? A hundred percent. I think data is a massive part of the influencer industry and it's why, you know, we've just opened up a new office in Kiev, which has really been just putting out developers there. They're all in our own office, but it's really to scale up um, to say, look, we know technology is the future. We need to be investing heavily into it. I noticed that. So why Kiev? Well, I guess it was, you probably had to decide between various places. How did you end up on Kiev? Yes, yeah, so <laughs> Kiev's quite an interesting one. Um, so Kiev as an actual city, I mean, when you're thinking about London, when you're thinking about what the core jobs are around like marketing, finance, um, Kiev, like the actual main job is working in development. Right, um, right. So the actual number of developers out there is considerably more um, than they are in the UK. So it means that, you know, the costings are about one third cheaper and they're actually still the top, you know, quality of skill that you would expect um, of those in the UK. Um, so it's it's something which for us, it, it made it very competitive to be out there. Yeah. Um, we've got a great team out, out there and it's something which, as I said, we're investing heavily in over, the, especially the next 12 months to build up our technology. And I think, although I keep probably talking about technology and data, um, the most important thing is that although everything's underpinned by our technology and data, it really does come down to the strategy as well. Because mm -hmm. you could have all the data pinning to which influencer to use um, and you know how well a campaign's performed and all the rest of it. But unless the strategy is right, it won't have the impact um, which will actually produce you know the return of investment that the advertisers crave. 
So I guess, well, yeah, let's talk about the strategy first. I'm sure we'll come back to the, the data point. I, I guess, is it, am I right in thinking you guys work as a sort of um, managed service, but also as a sort of self-service platform where brands can just access your your technology? Is that yeah, right? so we have a completely self-service platform, which allows for advertisers to come to Influencer and literally use it for creator discovery, campaign management, campaign reporting. Um, and then we basically say, look, you can use the software that we use in-house to run your campaigns or you can do it yourself. So we also have, as, as I mentioned, the team in-house who do that managed service um, and will run the campaigns from start to finish and deliver reporting to essentially how the advertiser would, would want the reporting. And that's when we can really work with those third parties I mentioned earlier as well um, to really tailor campaigns for their fit. And, and what would you say are the sort of key questions that you ask them when you're trying to scope out what a strategy might be for a, for a client? What are the key questions that you're challenging them with, but I guess also challenging yourselves with? Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the biggest question always, you know, with any sort of advertising campaign that's run is you have to understand what success is Um, because you know a lot of people with influencer campaigns just suddenly say oh I need to spend money on it because other people are spending money on it and then you know when the results get delivered they're like oh that wasn't what I was expecting I thought it was going to do this and you're like well if that wasn't the the brand actual KPI then you know the campaign wouldn't have been targeted by that because you can deliver you know an influencer strategy which can drive downloads you can deliver an influencer strategy that can drive brand awareness um you know clicks app downloads and and all the rest of it so it's really important to understand what the success is like so you can build out the strategy based on that um because you know there are so many creators out there um who are right for different styles of campaigns um and there are so many ones who um you know are the right fit for certain brands as well yeah and when you talk about fit then what what um what comes into that what what makes for a good fit between an influencer and a brand i think the biggest word probably of 2019 is authenticity so i can speak about all the right data fits but you know ultimately that's data helping at step one um then it does come down to authenticity it's is this something that the you know the creator um, would actually use themselves? Is this something that the creator um, would actually want to encourage others you know in person actually about using? And, and and that's where it really comes down to it. So it has to be that authentic relationship between um, the brand and the creators. I mean, a great example of a campaign is one we did with Vans, um, and they came to us with a brief, and they were like, look, you know, um, we want to advertise people publicizing their favorite pair of Vans, and we said that's great, but let's bring some emotion into it. We think, you know, most people have a pair of fans. So let's get the creators who want to be part of this campaign to submit um, stories to us about their most memorable moment wearing a pair of vans. Mm. So we had some crazy stories about, you know, the first time people got dumped or when they received their exam results or when they got their first job, all of these amazing stories, which then built that emotive narrative um, and actually gave that authenticity because it was speaking about a time when they were wearing their pair of vans. Yeah, and I guess that type of approach goes so much further, has such a bigger impact than just that product placement, thinking that just getting uh, someone wearing your shoes or your bag is going to have a long-term impact. Absolutely. I think, you know, the, the campaigns where the creator's just holding up a product saying, go buy this, uh, are long gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those campaigns just simply don't work. So I think it's about, you know, as I said, building that authentic or using creators who have that authentic relationship with the brand um, and then partnering those up. And I think that's where creators are definitely themselves um, trying to actually build out their relationships is, is saying, okay, you know, I don't want to work with a hundred brands over a year. I want to work with two or three that I can really build out in my content um, and build up that rapport with my followers about working with this brand. Yeah. 
I guess when it comes to the sort of creative then, I was just wondering, I mean, I've not, not been really exposed to this. What is the kind of like briefing process when it comes to influencer marketing? Like, ha- is that quite different to a kind of traditional creative brief you might see in a sort of advertising world? How do you, how do you approach that? Well, I think what's quite different is the fact that you can build a base creative, but understand that you're not just putting the creative straight through like an ad network where it's going to be straight away published. You're then putting it onto a, someone's audience who they've already got a relationship with. Um, so the first key part is establishing, okay, well, what's the top line creative that we want the influencers to actually work towards? But then the second part is, okay, well, we need each of the influencers to be tailing it and um, you know, tailoring the content to what they usually post because it has to be authentic to what their followers are used to or else yeah. they won't buy into it. And they'll actually, you know, probably feel a little bit cheated on otherwise. Um, so it, it's about that difference, I guess, that you have to allow the creators to speak in their usual tone of voice, but based on a top level narrative. And I guess there's some creators better than others at just figuring out how that works. Or? Yeah, 100%. I think um, those creators who stick to, you know, being authentic, they're the ones who are going to win over the long run. The ones who will just publish a brand message based on what the brand said, they won't because the followers will see straight through it. As I said, they'll feel cheated and they'll just start on following. I think there was that great example of Scott Disick when he posted a brand deal with a protein um, company and it yeah. said, at the start, please post this at 4 p.m. EST. It's a classic. And then with the caption, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, it's, it, those type of things are awful, um, but it's just an example where it has to be in the creator's own authentic voice or else, yeah, the brand relationship um, with the creator won't be um, translated over to the followers. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, so Casper Lee is your co-founder? The absolute partner. genius, yeah. Um, what does he bring to that side of things, I guess, from his personal experience of scaling and a huge audience? Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, you know, Casper is one of the most intelligent blokes I know because with Casper, he sees stuff very deeply from creator angles, not just from the top level where he's at, but also from the smaller level as well. And I think where Casper and I work really well together is obviously building an influencer marketing company, um, you need that balance between being brand first and also being creative first. You can't just be one necessarily or the other. Yeah. Um, so Casper really has that creator first attitude where we're doing everything to look after the creators. And I'm honestly thinking about it from, right, okay, yeah. looking after the advertising. And it's about finding that balance and you know, it works both ways and it produces the impactful campaigns that we can actually deliver. Um, but yeah, I know honestly, having Casper's as well, creative scope when he comes into these, you know, creative brainstorming meetings definitely helps us produce the level of campaigns that we do produce. Yeah, yeah. Hey there, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just quickly, I'd like to invite you to join the Journey Further book club. This is a fast growing community designed for time pressured marketers, where we read the best business books and share bite sized insight from each chapter to help you put the key ideas into action in your business. We host some great events with the authors too. It's completely free to join. I think you'll find it really valuable. Just go to journeyfurther.com and follow the link to sign up. Now back to Ben. I was wondering, so obviously, Casper, for example, or Bit has built up his audience of millions over quite well, a lot of years, maybe like 10 years now. Yeah. Um, could you start, if you were to start tomorrow, 
how easy would it be now to scale an audience of that size or is it like is it getting harder and harder for people to start afresh if someone wanted to become an influencer is it harder and harder now because the way those social platforms have already matured a little bit or not so it's interesting i think casper would say it's near enough impossible and that he got lucky i completely disagree i think you know, with the amount of hard work that went into it and the amount of commitment that he went through, you know, it only seems that way because he got to that break to actually grow big. I think in terms of growing on YouTube now and Instagram, for sure, it's much more difficult, but with the rise of TikTok, now Byte as well coming in the frame, yeah, these are networks where there's real opportunities to become a star on there um, and actually grow audiences. And I think that's what um, TikTok are really actually trying to do is actually create new creators rather than just transfer people's audiences from one social network onto TikTok. I guess those new networks now, TikTok and Byte, for example, they're launching with the awareness of the social media influencer thing, whereas maybe Instagram and YouTube, it's like they're kind of retrofitting that kind of into their network. Like how much how much sort of attention do you pay as soon as something new comes on the scene like TikTok or, or, or Byte? I think with TikTok and Byte, I mean, they're both heavily funded companies, so you know that they're not going to just die, essentially, right? Yeah. So you have to take them seriously. I think when you think about TikTok, well, actually, and Byte, um, it's short-form content. And I think that's what people are really developing towards. I think, you know, perhaps the days where people would sit down and prepare themselves to watch, you know, a 20-minute YouTube video aren't as strong as when people can just watch a six second clip um, and absorb that content and then move on to the next. I think, you know, we live in a, in a world where people love just sort of, or ha- have very little attention spans. So it's great, quick fire content, move on to the next. Yeah, I guess that makes it, it challenging creatively to get that message across if you're trying to get a brand message across. Challenging, yes, but then, you know, it's creating new opportunities. And I think that's why new creators are able to build audiences on these channels because perhaps some of the traditional creators aren't wanting to shift over to that because their content fits the networks that they're existently on. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, so what are the networks which you predominantly focus on at the moment? I mean, the main networks that we're still running campaigns on is, of course, Instagram and YouTube. Um, with some of our best in clients, we stick still to Twitter. Um, that's just because it's more the reactive nature. And actually, with you know some of the TV shows that we work with, Twitter's very good at being obviously again reactive. Um, but you know, we are seeing the rise in TikTok campaigns. Certainly, we haven't done a bike campaign just yet, but no doubt next an week. advertiser <laughs> will probably ask next week. Exactly. Um, but no, it's you know it's exciting when a new social platform comes to the frame because it's like saying, okay, how can we strategize um, the content to work for this network? That's interesting you mentioned about TV. So is that working with a TV show to get their show trending, get discussion going around the... Yes, we, we, we did a campaign with um, BBC, which was around um, David Attenborough's Earth series. Oh, okay. So that was really cool about getting influencers to post um, reactive content to actually, you know, watching that. Right. But it helps build up the audience there, get everyone talking about it as it's going live, um, and you know, then get it trending as well to build up conversation just organically. David Attenborough is probably like one of the oldest influencers oh, he's <laughs> on an the absolute planet, legend, right? absolute hero. <laughs> That's quite interesting. I so, don't think he'd do any sponsored content now, unfortunately. I think he's, no, I think he maybe doesn't need to dip his toes in the water. Um, 
so yeah, I guess thinking about those different networks and maybe coming back to the data point a little bit, how do you understand audience in influencer marketing? Just for an example, so I was chatting with uh, a colleague yesterday who was talking about the development of audience in um, paid search. And he was saying it's like gone so quickly from not really having audiences at all and just being keywords to then being able to sort of layer demographic stuff on top of your keywords. Uh, to now he's saying that is almost just gone when it comes to paid search and it's just like you just need to let the smart bidding take control. Um, but yeah, I guess what, obviously the influence marketing space is a little bit different. How do you kind of understand audience when it comes to that? Yeah, I think... It's a really good question because I think it's something which advertisers are certainly becoming more savvy to. It's not something which you book a campaign and you say, I just want to book a campaign which goes to a million people. Um, it's saying, okay, well, understanding who that audience is. I mean, you know, just through the APIs, because um, we're connected to all the official ones, which definitely helps. So like the graph API, we get the data on where they're from, the age right. brackets, the gender. So you can, that's step one to actually narrowing down um, which creators you can target based on their audience. And then step two is we've got our own data layers on top where we can find out things such as interests, brand affinity, what you know the creators have spoken about organically in terms of brands and which ones they've actually worked with in the past on a paid level. Um, so these sort of things help build up a more complete picture of the creators and something which I see, I think we'll see a big push in 2020 is around first party data mm. from creators. So this is not data, which again, you can absorb from their profiles. This is data which they've actually submitted to you. Okay. Um, so that's where we really, um, I guess, hold our, um, or hold a strong point over our competitors. Every single creator who signed up to our network has expressly um, actually signed up to, to the platform, they've given us express use of their data um, through the API, through the APIs. Um, but also, they've answered a series of questions where we can understand a little bit more about them. Um, so, you know, by finding out what newspapers they read, finding out you oh, know okay. how many times a week they go to the gym, you start learning a little bit more of a complete picture about who they actually are and what other interests you can depict from that data. Oh, interesting. And I guess so. When it comes to those uh, to the API access, then are the likes of Facebook and YouTube, are they becoming more open with the data when it comes to this type of thing? Or? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely, I think, you know, it's really, really important what you're using the data for. Um, lots of people within the influencer industry, um, because it's very, very difficult to actually get that level of data, um, scrape the data, and it's not accurate data because scraping oh. only returns, say, 150 users at a time. So you're basically taking a sample size. For sure, you can keep updating that sample size, but it's not giving an accurate picture. So it's really important to get the API access to get that true data um, and understand why and what you're using that data actually for. Um, and, and we do it to build more meaningful relationships between the creators and brands because we want the creators to be producing better branded content, which the brands can use. And you know, creators producing this content, we always say in an influence marketing, it's about 60% media spend and a 40% content creation spend because these assets, you know, they can be used across multiple different forms of ad advertising from, you know, billboard adverts to paid social adverts to premium publishers. Yeah. Um, there's so much scope to where the influencer content can be reused. Yeah, interesting. Well, so it's almost like you can, that, that's part of your process when you're, when you're launching a campaign is thinking much further beyond than just the series of posts or whatever that might be. I think you have to, and I think with that in mind, 
it's about making it relatable um, for the advertisers who, you know, the budget holders especially, um, about justifying this new form of, you know, advertising costs where it can be linked in. Um, so we're certainly seeing, um, yeah, the, the creator content being reused across multiple different um, forms of advertising. We did a really cool campaign with um, PepsiCo for Arto Water. Okay. Um, and the content pieces got reused across multiple different tube adverts, bus adverts, which was really cool to see. And I think it really empowered the creators as well to see their content um, being up and about there. Yeah, interesting. And then I just guess going back to my colleague, uh, Harry, asked me to pose a question to you, which is quite interesting around the, the, the data side of things, which was how much uh, insight can you get into the audience's actually actual intent so here's kind of asking obviously some people just have so engaged audiences that they will get engagement on their post well he argued regardless of the content which i'm not sure whether i completely agree with but i guess how much insight can you get to 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 a level of well actually know that the audience of this person are going to go beyond that they're actually going to visit the brand's website they're actually going to buy something yeah it's a really really good question it's very timely actually so obviously as i mentioned that um We'd hired, I think I mentioned, the head of data science from yeah. um, Kantar to be doing some insights work for us. That's exactly what we're doing is right. understanding the comments much more. Do they show purchase intent? What, you know, Do they actually show a positive reaction to what the creator's posting or is it just emojis? So we have to understand that. And it's, it's not just about positive and negative um, sentiment analysis because that's just one stage. It's actually understanding, okay, as you said, do they show a purchase, a, a, a purchase intent? Yeah, yeah. Right, it's an interesting project then. Really interesting project. Yeah, interesting. Um, I guess just coming back to the sort of agency as a whole then, um, I presume quite a young team? Yeah, a very young team. Um, well, I mean, you know, it's a team of multiple different ages. I think it's a young industry. Yeah. Um, and we've definitely got some experience within it, um, as well as having, you know, some more junior people who um, have perhaps come and join it as their first job but it's really exciting for us because we've only ever had one person quit influencer oh, wow. and three weeks later she asked for her job back so it's a really good wow. it's sign quite amazing retention right? yeah i wow. think you know for us um something like you know culture is really really important to us and we have you know our strong core values internally um where we really want to be, you know, keeping our staff for the long run and investing in them and keeping a happy team, um, because ultimately that will in turn produce better results for our clients and will help grow the business as we grow scale, um, globally as well. Yeah. How would you describe the kind of culture that you're that you're building there? I'd say it's a vibrant but professional culture. <laughs> I think you know we all work hard together. I think you know one of our core values internally is break boundaries together. And what that basically is saying is, you know, it's really important that we are, you know, creating campaigns which are winning awards. We won the Digiday Best Influencer Marketing brand collaboration. We also won Best Influencer Marketing Platform. But it's about having all those different, you know, internal departments working together to be able to achieve that. Um, and, you know, we, we have an, another core value internally, which is don't just follow influence. And that's really about, you know, us wanting to become the leaders within the influencer industry. So I don't believe at the moment that there are any necessary leaders. I think there's quite a few players who are doing a very good job. And there's a real opportunity to become that leader. And I really feel that, you know, through educating the market and through pushing the market through with various new insights and things like that, um, we can really 
become that on a global scale. Um, so that's really where I see the vision for the company. Yeah, and in terms of in terms of sort of growth as a whole, then have you got obviously you mentioned Kiev? What are your kind of plans for the next? Yes, yeah, so we've years? actually opened in New York um, as well. Um, it's still in its infancy, um, but it's a really really exciting project for us as we've got quite a few clients who are based over in the states. It became the natural next step, especially you know with the time zone and managing our creator relationships out there. Yeah. Um, so the, the plan is obviously scaling up New York and then over. The next 12 months, you know, we're doing quite a lot of research into other locations in Europe, as well as um, APAC. Um, for us as well, we just brought on board um, a venture capitalist who's backed at called Puma Private Equity. Yeah. Um, and that's really helped us, you know, scale up. We've brought some really experienced people as well within the company. So um, we brought on a new COO um, called Jane Loring who she actually used to be um, the XMD of Mode Media. I don't know if you knew Mode right. Media, glam.com, right. um, which was a real powerhouse within the industry. Probably one of the first ever influencer marketing companies. They actually almost IPO'd for a billion, but it was more on celebrity marketing back then. Right, okay. It's quite a few years ago. So she's a real powerhouse and there to support the team's growth. Um, also just hired um, the agency development lead from Facebook um, into the team as well. So you know, right. some really exciting people joining the company as we scale up. You mentioned America just then. I was just kind of wondering what, how's that, how does that market differ to the UK when it comes to influencer marketing? How are the, how are the sort of audiences different? So it's certainly much more mature. Um, so obviously being much more mature um, means that the budget sizes are a lot bigger. Right. Test budget in the UK is really around 40,000 pounds. Here in the States, it's around 100,000 pounds. Right. But with that, there's about 10 times the number of competitors. But if you can crack that market, obviously the reward is much greater. Um, so it's, it's a market which we're really, really excited about um, and one which we are confident that we will be able to crack. We just have to be developing the same strategy which we did within the UK and adapting it to the US market. And, you know, we have the utmost confidence that we can be, you know, the powerhouse of influencer marketing on a global scale. And what's your take on the sort of agency landscape in, in general when you look from the sort of sort of growing independence in your space but in kind of other marketing spaces versus the kind of um, the, the big networks which are still kind of holding strong? What's your kind of vision for how that's going to develop over the next sort of I mean, few years? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We actually work with all the main six agency groups um, and, and our preferred suppliers, you know, with the multiple ones um, within these agency groups. And I think it's really important to develop those relationships because, you know, as we develop our agency relationships, we get exposure to more of the brands um, that they're working with. Um, so they're coming, they're coming to you for obviously your, your expertise. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, with the type of accounts that we're working on across, you know, globally, um, we get to understand what works best and we can use that sort of data um, to actually improve all of our campaigns that, you know, we're running from doing the Starbucks account in the UK, Germany and France. We can understand how better to do an Alibaba campaign in those regions as well. So I think that's really where we're strengthening ourselves as a business. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're benefiting by tapping into the scale that those networks have. I, I think that's what we're all about, you know, is how best we can scale as a business by almost piggybacking off other companies' scale. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's where we're really developing as a business. And as I said, you know, it's not just about influence and marketing campaigns. It's also about other branded content opportunities where we can, you know, still work with the creators, but um, 
reusing their content or just getting them to produce content outright for other forms of marketing too. Yeah. When it comes to when it comes to uh, social media marketing, that's sort of not the influencer stuff now. Where do you where where do you think the big opportunity is for brands there in terms of their owned social media content, or should they just be thinking almost all about influencer stuff? I think you know brands can certainly become influencers themselves on social media. Um, I think it's really dependent on their content strategy. It's about, you know, it's the same sort of principles within influencer marketing. It's about being authentic. Um, but also the most important thing is about being consistent. Um, I guess that stems into authenticity, but too many brands will probably, you know, start building a content strategy. And then after a month, if nothing's changed, they've just decided, no, giving it up, it, yeah. ha it hasn't worked. But it, it takes time. Um, and it's important to be, you know, putting in that effort to actually develop the strategy. Um, and I think, you know, using other influencers and other creators to help amplify their content can certainly develop them as a business. I'd say our public facing brand, although obviously we're a B2B business, is very B2C-esque. Yeah. Um, but that's often, you know, how you are capable of growing um, a brand as well. I guess I'm, I, you're seeing more and more now in the B2B world, you mentioned um, b2b brands understanding that power of personal brand to grow their businesses and you guys obviously and understand it as well but it's almost like you could see the influencer marketing thing moving more and more into that into that space too i guess oh 100 i mean you know personal brands are so important um you know in especially going to be in 2020 i think the type of deals that we get off the back of you know the, all the talks that we do is incredible but i think it's just about you know stemming on what I sort of keep banging on about, about educating the industry. It helps amplify the influencer marketing message across multiple advertising themes. I think, you know, Casper and I have been lucky enough to speak at, you know, Can Lion, Web Summit, all these amazing places. And I think it's great that we've had these opportunities for the influencer marketing industry because we're just basically talking about how incredible this industry is growing um, and where you know, the future of the influencer marketing lies. Yes, you're adding so much value by sharing all that, by sharing all that stuff. Um, I guess you personally, what's your favorite part of your role as CEO? Is it, is it, this, is it going and doing talks or is it getting involved in the, in the client work or what, what is that? I'd say, you know, for me, it's been incredible to work with, you know, people who have become like, you know, some really good friends. Um, and I think, you know, I mean, Hester's worked with me for now three years and hasn't killed me just yet. <laughs> but I think that's really interesting for us as, you know, or for, for me personally. Um, but I think, the, the, you know, it's seeing people develop over that time period, which is incredible. And I think for me, the reason why the States is so exciting for us as well is I feel like, you know, we've got to a certain size in the UK, which is going to naturally keep growing, which is great. Um, but I do love that sort of grind attitude where, you know, it's, really scaling up again so um that's where the states comes in mind where it's that real you know proper hustle back to and i'm really excited about that as well and how do you keep yourself motivated then do you set yourself certain goals that you want to achieve or how do, how do how do you how do you tackle that i think you know keeping yourself motivated comes down to are you passionate about something right and i'm incredibly passionate about the influencer industry and i'm incredibly passionate about watching peers around me grow as well and develop in their careers and I think certainly you know having the team around me that we have that's a motivation in itself um and because you know I want to see them all grow 
um, in, in their careers as well. So I think that's one of my main drivers, um, obviously as well, making the family proud, family man. Um, that's family a, proud? Yeah, I think, my, yeah, my, my family is very proud, which is nice. But, you know, it's about, um, you know, just, I guess, motivating because it's great to see other people either happy or growing as well. Yeah, yeah, no, interesting. Well, I just wanted to wrap up with uh, the final three questions. Uh, ben, what did you used to believe that you no longer believe in? So it's quite an interesting one because I've been asked this question before and it's the answer I would say is that failing is bad, right? And I think that's something which we're always taught at school um, is that, you know, you shouldn't fail, you can't fail. But I think the importance of failing is allowing you to actually develop as a person um, there's a quote by Walt Disney where he basically says that if you fail when you're young, it helps you to better yourself and take failure better in the future because everyone will fail at some point in their life. And you can't develop as a character unless, you know, you make mistakes or make certain failures. So I certainly believe that it's actually important to fail <laughs> um, so that you can grow um, and actually learn. You say we're kind of indoctrinated through school of have you passed have you failed it's so true and you know it's it's one of those ones where just because you fail as well it doesn't mean that you can't do something it's perhaps looking at it from a different perspective you know there's times when you know i haven't made the right hires or um, we haven't adopted the right strategies but really how you know you can really test yourself and see what the true character is is what your reaction is to that failure is are you gonna to sit around complaining about why it's failed or you know to learn the lessons from it and ensure that next time you're not going to make that same mistake again is there a failure which you're kind of most proud of if that makes sense which you're most glad that you had <sighs> i mean probably one when i was right back starting influencer i had absolutely no idea what i was doing has absolutely no experience um and I was actually working on my gap year um, in a sales role doing classified ads back in the day. Okay. Um, and I was basically sending money off um, from what I was earning, selling these classified ads, to a development agency in India. Right. And I was basically getting them to produce this platform for me. Okay. And literally about six months down the line, and bear in mind everyone else was sort of like working on their gap year, saving money to like go traveling or saving money to, you know, for university or the rest of it. Um, and after this six months, the developers just basically turned around to me and were like, I'm really sorry, we can't actually build this platform for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> what, what do you thought mean? you nearly finished it. Yeah, I was like, what, what are you talking about? What do you mean you can't um, build this platform? They're like, yeah, it's just not, you know, it's not gonna work. So I was like, okay, well, look, it's obviously incredibly frustrating and obviously amongst the perhaps tears and stuff like that. Um, I was like, look, just give me a refund and then we can learn from that and we can build from it. Um, and they were like, no, I'm sorry. I mean, all the money's been spent on labor so unfortunately we can't offer you a refund. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I've been sending all of this money over there and I don't have anything protection. Well, I spoke to some lawyers and they said, yeah, you're, it's gonna cost you more than the money you've spent to actually get yeah. it back from India. So it's basically just have to bite the bullet. And that's <laughs> obviously a very tough sort of thing for someone who's 18, 19 at the time, yeah. who's managing to earn money to actually spend on something to get no end put. Um, or no end product, but it taught me to be much more cautious when choosing partners um, and have much more control over things. Yeah, definitely. Um, so secondly, if this wasn't your mission, what would be? 
Really interesting question. I think, you know, for me, I definitely want to be doing something in sustainability. And I think a sustainable fashion line in the future is something which I'm truly passionate about. Actually, before Influencer, I had a clothing company, um, which actually, I guess, like fueled my fire and energy um, for social. Um, So I think, you know, that's one element. But I think, you know, I am very, very passionate about social media and influencer marketing. And I think if I wasn't working within the influencer marketing industry, I would still be wanting to work in some form of social element. I think, you know, it was always a dream of mine to work for either Facebook or Google. Mm -hmm. And I'm really passionate about that. I think it's just because it excites me. I think tech excites me, data excites me. I sound like such a nerd, but (laughs) it's basically, you know, always the truth. So it's definitely something within that field. Cool. And um, finally, if you could recommend one book for members of the Journey Further book club to read, what would it be? I fear that this book you know, could have been said already, but it's How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnini. We actually, that was the very first book that we shared ah. with the community when we didn't really have many members. That was the first book. We read. I mean, it's a book which I've read about 20 times. I mean, it's something which it teaches you so many valuable life lessons mm-hmm. um, which could just simply be put into practice. I mean, even such a simple lesson like try not to tell people that they're wrong because the moment you tell someone they're wrong, you're just basically insulting them and whatever you say afterwards is gonna have a negative connotation to it. And it's also about things like, you know, learning, try not to have arguments with someone because th- when you have an argument with someone, um, both parties feel deflated afterwards so you know it teaches you various life lessons and various ways to get around things which i think have definitely helped me develop um as a person and probably thankfully develop as a person for people around me (laughs) that's an amazing recommendation i completely agree uh ben it's been a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for having me honestly really really appreciate it it's been awesome thank you Thank you so much for listening. I really enjoyed speaking with Ben, someone who's achieved so much at such a young age. It's going to be exciting to see what's to come for the team at Influencer.com. Now, as always, I'm really keen to hear your feedback, thoughts and ideas. So please do subscribe, leave a rating or a review in your app. If you want to get in touch directly, just drop me an email. It's podcast at journeyfurther.com. And don't forget, the Journey Further Book Club community is waiting for you. Go to journeyfurther.com and follow the book club link to find out what that's all about and sign up for free. See you soon.